You are the salt of the earth. I want to speak to us for a few moments. We have together this morning. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste and its purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. So the last few weeks we've been looking at Christ is our message. And we've been talking about the fact that we preach Christ to awaken hearts so that every person can come to a full understanding of truth. I think it goes without saying that as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't start preaching something other than Christ, because Christ is our message. I'm becoming religious or flaky, but Christ is our message, and we've got to go into the world, and we've got to tell the world about Jesus Christ, that Christ is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Can you say amen this morning? Because Jesus is not a form of truth or an optional truth. The Bible says, and Jesus himself declares it, but Jesus is the truth, amen? And until you haven't discovered the truth of Christ, you're always going to think there is another form of truth somewhere else. And that's why at one time, Jesus likens a Christian who has stopped preaching Jesus, who no longer has kingdom influence in his world, directly or indirectly, for Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus associates them with tasteless salt, that it's lost its purpose. And you are the salt of the earth. You see a few verses on, we're going to look at that next week. Jesus likens a Christian's life to light. He says to us, we are salt and we are light. And you might be wondering why salt and why light? Because those two analogies or those two metaphors are very expressive in their ways. But also, they describe a service beyond itself. If you think about that for a moment, that Christ is our message. And Jesus says, as Christians, that we are salt of the earth. Salt is, you, don't, you never buy salt for salt itself. You buy salt because it's an extension of something else. It's given to the service of something else. Light is not light for itself. If you think about the lights that are in this room this morning, in the auditorium, a light doesn't shine just for itself. A light shines so that someone else can benefit from the light that shines. And salt is exactly the same. I mean, you might not eat salt, but you do definitely use light. But salt is not used just for itself. No one goes to the cupboard and says, let me have a plate full of salt. What salt is, salt is used in the extension of something else. And Jesus says, we are the same. As Christians, we are called to be the salt of the earth. Your life should be an extension and the service for someone else. Someone else should feel the impact of your Christian faith, your Christian testimony when you encounter them in their lives. Amen. And so today, as we look at you are the salt of the earth, Salt suggests four things. Number one, salt suggests purity. Tells us about purity. Number two, salt speaks to us about thirst. Number three, salt speaks to us about preservation. And number four, salt speaks to us about flavor. So when it comes to purity, now sometimes our religious minds, we think the first thing about purity is I've got to try and strive to be this pure person, this perfect person that never makes a mistake. And that's not what Jesus is implying when he speaks about salt being pure. You see, the, the Romans in the, the times of Christ, they symbolized salt through its purification process of sun and sea. Not like today where, you know, we can buy salt in a store and you think it just falls out of, a, out of, out of the sky. In those days, they had to purify the process of salt water and, and, and sea. So they would use the sun and they would take it through this process of purification. So at one time, salt was mixed with a, a certain uh, uh, type of shadow. The, the salt was mixed with a form. It was in water. It was in liquid. And what the Romans would associate salt with was the purification process to move from taking salt out of water. They used the sun. And when the salt was left after they purified it, 
they would find that the salt was pure. And Christ was starting to associate, he, he said to us that we are the salt of the earth, a purification process. And we think that we have to go to the world and tell the world they must become pure. But the Bible is actually telling us that we are there to be an example of the purification process from one form to another. Because the world is stuck very often in a place where they are captive by sin or they're captive by certain things in their lives. And it's the purification process that they have to go through to know Christ and encounter Christ. And the Bible says we are called to be salt of the earth. We are called to tell people that their lives can improve when they encounter Christ. They might be contaminated with things right now. They might be mixed with water or mixed with liquid. But once they start to experience not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N of Christ, the Bible says they start to enter this place where they live a life of purpose. And our lives are not to go out into the world. We've looked at that. Legalistic Christians, judgmental Christians, telling the world about God is a God with a big book and a big black book and a big stick and He's out to find all your faults. Now the Bible says that Christ is patient with us. Christ wants to lead us into a place, amen, of full purpose. And the Bible says when your saltiness as a Christian, when it loses its taste, you actually lose your Christian witness. You lose your Christian purpose. And I want to encourage your faith this morning, amen. We have to help people to understand that their lives improve through Christ. Yes, we will suffer for Christ. Yes, the Bible says, Paul says, I want to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection. So yes, there are times when we will go through much suffering for Christ. But in other areas of our life, we should not suffer financially. We should not suffer mentally. We should not suffer physically. We have the, the stripes of Christ to hold on to healing. But we will suffer sometimes for the name of Christ. People want to silence us. The world system wants to silence the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to shut the church down. They want to silence the voice of Christians. And that is why you and I are called the ecclesia. We are called to go to public places on Mondays to Saturdays and Thursdays and Fridays to go to your work and be the salt of the earth and to influence society, to tell people, if you are contaminated or mixed with the world right now, let me show you how to, you can walk to this side and you can encounter a life of freedom. Not to tell somebody they have to strive to live a pure life. Because let's not fool ourselves. Everybody in this place this morning, the Bible says all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So there's not one perfect person. There's not one pure person. There's not one whole person. But there is a perfect God. There is a pure Savior. There is a whole Savior. And we look to Him this morning. Can you say amen this morning? So you are the salt of the earth. Salt demonstrates the process to purity. So the world is not looking for more bondage through Christian judgment or legalism. But they're looking for, for purity from a contaminated society. In John 4 verse 7, the Bible tells us a story. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? And his disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Sounds a lot like religious Christians. We won't mix with the world. We'll tell the world how wrong they are, but lo and behold, we'll never mix with the world because we're called to, to separate ourselves from the world. No, the Bible says we are salt. We are called to influence the world. We are called to tell the world that you are able to become pure. You're able to become uh, uncontaminated from the, the clutches of the world. Verse 10 says, and Jesus answered. He said, if you knew the generosity of God, you see, we serve a generous God. We serve a loving God. For God so loved the world that He gave. 
God is not on the take, God is on the give. God says if you will give your life to Christ, God will change you, He'll give you your kingdom perspective. The world is on the take, but God is on the give. And as Christians, we are called to be salt, to give ourselves away for the improvement and the betterment of someone else. Amen. Can you say amen this morning? He said, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. And the woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. Always implying or seeing their salvation in a physical form. So you are, how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. Speaking of the physical water that comes out of your tap or out of a bottle. He says, anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get, get, ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. So the Bible tells us a great story where Christ, who is salt, he's acting like salt. He's, he's demonstrating us what salt is. He starts to influence this woman. We know, and we'll read in a moment, a promiscuous woman, a woman who's had many relationships, a woman who's stuck in the, the clutches of the world, looking for a way out, but not knowing what the way out is. Many people accept their lives as God's will, or this is my lot in life. There is no other way. My, de- my circumstance is my destiny. And I want to say to you this morning that your circumstance is not your destiny. I want to say to you this morning that there is a better way for your life. I want to say to you this morning there is a way out of your predicament, out of your circumstances. There is a way out, and His name is Christ. Amen. And the Bible says she associates this, this conversation with Jesus to the natural. So He says, I will give you living water. Many people today looking for, grasping for the second thing that salt does is it makes us thirsty. Ever had a lot of salt, eaten a lot of salt? The first thing that happens is you become thirsty. You want to drink a lot of water. And that's what we should do. Notice this woman again, as she's speaking to Christ, she's associating thirst with a natural thirst. And Christ says, no, you'll get thirsty in the natural. That's, that's a given. You'll dehydrate at times in the natural. But he said, when you understand and believe who I am and you receive me into your heart, he says, I'll give you springs of living water that will never dry. I mean, I got saved, I think Pastor Clive and Pastor Brian, who's here today, been serving the Lord for many years, can testify to that. I was saved, and when I, when I got saved, they said to me, six months and he'll be back in the world. Well, I can't describe to you, I didn't save myself. I didn't call myself. I didn't choose myself. But when I, when I encountered the gospel message of Jesus Christ and I put my faith in Christ, it's literally like a living water, like a never-ending spring that wells up inside. And you, just, you, you yearn for the things of God. You want to read your Bible. You want to go to church. You want to do things differently. I can't describe it to you the natural because this woman was trying to understand Christ in the natural. And he said to her, I understand what you're saying, but he says, once you understand who I am, and Christ is our message, And sometimes we can preach a gospel or we can represent a God on the external. And although we can externally try to change people, they have to start being changed from the inside out. I will take that heart of stone and I'll make it a heart of flesh. I'll make it a heart that is responsive to me. It's a heart that God wants to to speak to. Today, if you are outside of a relationship with Christ, what happens is you only have to speak through Google or through a natural conversation with people through your physical ear. But the Bible said, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor enter the heart of man. 
the things that are laid up for, for those that love God, but they are revealed by the Spirit. And Christ is starting to show this woman what is to come, what is the possibilities of her future. You're living this promiscuous life. Your marriage is in a mess. You're going through all kinds of battles. You're sleeping around with men, which is the nature of humanity in its whole. And as Christians, we come and we say, this sin is bad and that sin is bad and this one is worse. And we categorize sin sometimes as religious Christians. But the Bible says all have sinned. You can't start putting a category of this is worse and this is better. All of us have sinned. But when you start to gossip about people, that's sin. You might not have done things that this woman has done. And the disciples are Jews. They're young Christians just being saved or being converted. And they're still grappling with their freedom in Christ. And they, they, their perception was that we don't mix with those kinds of people. We don't mix with sinners. Oh, well, let me tell you this morning, we should be the greatest friends of sinners. We should, we should be salt to sinners. We should help sinners to understand that although you are contaminated right now, you mixed with water and you mixed with, with seawater. When you encounter Christ, you'll become purified and you'll see life from a whole different perspective. Amen. How did I end up preaching on a platform in Cape Town when I was, you know, lost in my ways. Yesterday we actually had a memorial service for Patricia who used to work for us. And afterwards we were speaking to a few people and somebody was sharing, I think it was maybe my mother, I'm not sure, was telling people about my BC days, my before Christ days. And I said, hey, settle now, settle. People think I'm this good person. People think I'm a pastor that walks three foot off the ground, that has no mistakes, and we read the Bible all day. We pray in tongues. We never fight we, we, with our wives. We have these perfect lives. We never think a bad thought because we're pastors. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. I was a Christian. I, was a, I mean, I was a worldly person before I encountered Christ. I tried in my own ability to save myself. I tried to get better. I used to go to church with my parents they got born again. I saw them had a radical transformation. I saw the purification of my own parents. I saw my father. I saw my mother get saved. I saw them encounter Christ. I was, I was a young, young man trying to find out who I am, where I fit in. And that's everyone's question in life. Where do I fit in? What's my purpose? Why do I breathe oxygen? Why am I on this planet right now? And, so, and social media will tell you one thing. Oh, philosophy will tell you something else. Ideologies will tell you something else. You can, you can believe in political things. You can believe in, in all kinds of teachings of, that have gone by, but there's only one truth, and His name is Christ. I'm the light of life. Like I said to you last week, many times people, to encounter a spiritual experience, they put candles on because they're looking for, for light, and they don't know where to find it until they've heard a Christian preach Christ. You see, I, I said to the staff this week, I said, I wonder if you were to ask many Christians today, to take an A4 piece of paper and write about Jesus, how many lines they could actually write. Because many people talk about themselves more than they talk about Christ. And it's not wrong to share your story, but we can't have your story being 90% of the conversation and Christ being 10. We have to encounter Christ. We have to know Him. Paul writes and he says, I want to know Him. Do you know Him this morning? Do you spend time knowing Him, looking for Him, seeking for Him, not seeking for an organization? Not seeking for an international person with an accent that you think is, is more anointed than a South African with a flat accent. Is it because local is not lacquer in your, in, your, in your world? You've got to get an American guy. Pastor, you've got to get some holes in your jeans, man. Well, maybe you've got a hole in your soul. I don't know where you are this morning, but it's not the accent. It's not the, the sharp and smart. So look at this woman. She's associating everything in the natural. She says, you haven't got a bucket. You haven't got a system. You haven't got a structure. You haven't got something to get this freedom. And we think we have to do something to get this freedom. 
The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Then we get born again and we become even worse because now we're saved and now before we knew all these things, now we learn all these Christianese things and now we suddenly start putting laws and heavy weights and burdens on ourselves and I call them charismatic laws. Like these laws that we, we now we're trying to, to stay on the right path. But you weren't on the right path before you encountered Christ. Now when you're on this path, you suddenly start putting yourself under this unfair pressure of trying to stay pure. And you can't be pure in your Adamic nature. You can only be, be, be pure through Christ. You see, when God looks at, at, at Christ, He sees you and me. And when He looks at you and me, He sees Christ. You must understand that this morning. Sometimes we think God looks at us. If you receive Christ into your heart, if He's your Lord and your Savior, you must understand that God placed every sin upon His Son. So when He looks at you in your sinful nature, and when He looks at His Son and He looks at you, He's not confused. God knows exactly why He sent Jesus so you and I could walk in freedom. What we have to do is stop trying to be perfect in ourselves, and we have to looking unto Jesus, look for Him, seek Him every day, walk with Him, talk to the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the nature of Christ to you. You have the mind of Christ. You know what to do. Oh, the world will tell you what to do. The world will tell you exactly what to do. Social media will tell you who you're not. I told you last week, in the last few weeks, I told you, I read recently, uh, one of the top psychologists in the world has, has now shown that the most dangerous app you can give a girl between 9 and 12 is Instagram. It's the most dangerous app you can give a girl at that age because they're seeing young women that are developed in their process of, of their age and they've got these perfect little figures and these young girls are hitting puberty and they're getting pimples and their bodies are developing and they're feeling inadequate and by the time they get to 16, 17, 20, they're suicidal because they started to create a social media identity of who they're not. And I want to say to you this morning, you need to know Him. And the only way you need to know Him, the Bible says, is you need to receive this living water. How do you receive it? By faith. How do you receive it? You say yes. I didn't know what, to, what, what, what all this was about. I didn't have the revelation I know today. I mean, I've written a few books. I mean, I'm the author and the finisher of that book. Amen. I know the author and I know the finisher. I, it doesn't make me any more intelligent. I just, it's, it's what's been in my heart. People say, gee, pastor, you're very intelligent. No, I was a, a, a heathen sinner. I was telling somebody, I don't want to give too much details because you're really going to think I'm uh, I, I, who I was. But I remember one time my, my sister had to come and fetch me in a, in a bar because I'd passed out in the toilet. Your pastor. And the people were, I, was, I passed out next to the urinal. Picture the scene. And they were, the men were using the urinal and the overspray was falling on my head. Pastor, how can you be so graphic? I want to tell you that you think sometimes people are pastors, they're perfect. We were sinners. We were out there in the world, lost and dying. You go, Pastor, but gee, my life's not even that bad, and I'm feeling bad. My point, my point is sometimes we think we have to do something to get freedom. And all we have to do is we have to receive our freedom. We have to receive it through faith. Oh, yeah, this morning. Amen. Because there's nothing that you can do. And the Bible says there is no thing. There is no thing that can separate us from the love of God. Pastor, but I, 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 I've accepted Jesus and now I've made a mistake. Welcome to the club. God's not trying to get you to be pure and perfect in yourself. He says there is one who is pure. His name is Christ. There is one who is whole. His name is Christ. There is one that is truth. His name is Christ. Christ is our message. 
Christ is our message. Paul the Apostle one time said, when I just think I've got this thing worked out, I make a mistake. So he says, in my weakness, I actually become strong. Because sometimes when I'm at my lowest point, I have to look to Christ who is perfect strength. And it's in that strength that I become strong again. Oh, we can have systems and structures. You know me. I'm a structure person. I'm a system person. I'm a reader. I'm all these things. I'm an internet person. I'm a technology person. All those things. But those things can't save you. Those things can't give you peace or freedom. They can maybe simplify things in a complex world, but they can't give you peace and freedom. Freedom comes when you lie in your bed at night and your heart can be at rest, even though the world outside there is in chaos. Because Christ has given you living water. Oh, yeah, this morning. So the Bible says, verse 14, everyone who drinks this water again will thirst. Anyone who drinks this water that I give will never, ever thirst again. You see, salt causes you to thirst in the natural. And so Christians are called to make society thirsty for righteousness, thirsty for a better way to live. Verse 16, listen to what he said. He said, go call your husband and then come back. Now remember, he's speaking to this woman at the well. He knows exactly who she is. She doesn't know who he is. She's trying to discern him in the natural and he knows exactly, he's busy being salt. He's busy making her thirsty for righteousness. He's making her understand that she can live a better life if she just understands who he is. Verse 17, she says, I have no husband, she said. He says, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet now. Now she starts becoming defensive like many people when Christians encounter them. They start to become defensive because you're coming with your big stick and your big black book and your little perfect self-righteous appearance. Self-righteousness is where you determine the level of righteousness. And Christ is righteousness. The Bible said we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Self-righteousness is when you start categorizing sinners. Well, I think that person's sin is worse than that person's sin. You just become self-righteous. You've just self-inflicted levels of acceptance to God through your own understanding. And I say to us, have I been self-righteous often in my life? Have I acted self-righteous often in my life? But the Bible says there's only one who is righteous and his name is Christ. And we have to teach people how to become righteous through Christ. No other way. There is no other way to God but through Christ. Amen. He says, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worship God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? So she's, trying, she's having a theological debate with him now. Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Initially, that's where Christ was. He was a Jew. That's where salvation entered was through the Jewish faith. It's not stayed there, but it's, it, it was birthed through there. He says, but the time is coming and it has in fact come when what you're called will not matter and where you're going to worship will not matter. Listen, what you're called, people can label you. Are you this, you that? Are you a failure? Are you this, you that? You're stupid, you're this, you're fat, you're thin, you're too tall, you're too short. They can label you. He says, it doesn't matter what you're called by the world. It doesn't matter where you go to worship. You don't have to come to this building to be perfect in Christ. Yes, with Ecclesia, we come to a public place. Forsake not the gathering of the saints. We love being together once a week on a Sunday. But you have to know who Christ is on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. You have to know who Christ is. And when you have living water in you on a Friday night or a Thursday morning or a Tuesday afternoon, Christ is our message. And we have to teach people who Christ is. Are you here this morning? And I say this to us because Christ is what we have to preach and we have to give people a way out, not put more heavy weights and burdens upon people. He said, it's you 
He said, it's not what you're called that will matter or where you go to worship. You see, you can lift up your hands on a Monday morning in Cape Town traffic and you can be with Christ. Amen. I often say to you, on the N1, if you do travel on that beautiful road every morning and you're sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic, it's a great time to spend time with Christ. Amen. Put the radio off sometimes and just pray, worship. Just spend time with God. Get to know Him. And as you get to know Him, what happens is He starts to mature your faith and He starts to reveal things to you you've never seen before. It's the greatest privilege any human can have is to get revelation firsthand from God. Every other religion has to work through some system, some laws. There's laws on laws. Moses came with 10 of them, and the Jews added 690 more to those 10. That's what happens when you live a Christian life of laws. You live this Jesus plus, Jesus plus life. And then eventually you say, well, I'm born again, but I made this mistake, so maybe I should do this to do that to do that. No, 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 no. Just looking unto Him. Open up your Bible and rest in Him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Stop being so heavy on yourself and watch what God is going to do. He's going to reveal much through your life. You see, it's who you are. Listen, verse 24. He says, it's who you are. And the way that you live, that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. So your worship must engage your spirit. If you're not uh, born again, if you haven't got a a spirit that is alive to God, you can't pursue truth because God is spirit. And that's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. One of the greatest things, and I've mentioned this over and over the last few weeks and months, is that the greatest threat to our futures is, as humanity is the metaverse. We looked at that two weeks ago. Metoche means community. And, the, and one of our platforms, which if I mention the name, they're going to block us again, so I have to be careful what I say. But they, they've, they've changed their name to Meta. And why? Because they're saying, come out of your, your world, go into this place, the meta, this fantasy world where you don't, there's no responsibility, there's no, there's no rent, there's no SARS, there's no load shedding, there's no, come out of, the, come out of your, your house and come and join the, 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 the place of community in a fantasy world. And when many people go into this fantasy world of, of social media, and I don't say, I don't criticize it, I say you have to discern it. You have to understand that although social media is a great tool and it can be used for many good things, like petrol is a great thing, although people use it to to burn things down, it was never invented to burn things down. It was invented to propel a motor car. So the internet wasn't invented for evil things, but people will use it for evil. So we can't criticize it all the time. But you must discern it. You can't get lost in this, this meta. The word community in Scripture is metoche, which means what? Meta and echo. It means come out of your house into a public place of community. But the, the social media world says come out of your house into a, a fantasy world of community where you can have a, by the way, you can now get a fantasy girlfriend. You can, you can avatar her. You can design her, the hips and the, the everything, and you can, the legs and the height and the weight, and you can do it all. And then when you take your goggles off, there your wife stands and says, honey, mow the lawn. <laughs> but I was talking to Mary, yeah, in the metaverse, and he says, yes, but I've got a scripture verse for you. Get off your butt and come and mow the lawn. Amen. Are you here this morning? I want to say this to us. Don't get fooled by this fantasy world. It's a real world we live in. People have real issues. They've got real problems. They've got real fears. We can't push it under the carpet and think it's just going to disappear and over-spiritualize everything. We are called to be salt. You're called to go into a world and to show people how to get out of the clutches of the world, how through your experience with Christ. You're called to make people thirst for righteousness. You're called to make people hunger and thirst for righteousness through your example, your testimony, not your religious act. 
At times, it's not, I'm not saying you have to uh, share all of your dirty laundry with people, but at times you can be open with people and say, I'm also battling in certain areas because we all go through battles. There's not one pastor, one person, or one human alive that doesn't go through battles. But the Bible says Christ came to overcome sin and death, that you and I, if we look to Him, amen, peace can come in a chaotic world. Amen. Vision can come in a world where people says another recession is coming or the, the world is going to go to pieces. But Christ can give you vision in the, mix, in the midst of a, of a chaotic world. Can you say amen this morning? Come on. Say amen with me this morning. Give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place. He says God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration your true self. There's only one place. Intimacy is intimacy. It's a place where you can become vulnerable with God. So often Christians, we put on these masks. Did you know that persona, the Greek meaning of the word persona is mask? You say, I have a certain kind of personality. This is my personality type. But persona means mask. And I'm not saying your personality is wrong, but I'm saying sometimes we can put on a, a fake mask because we have to act as if everything is going well. And I'm not saying act weak and be weak. I'm saying the greatest place a person can be, a man, a woman, is when you go into inner room and you can shut the door and shut everything down and you can be vulnerable with God because He knows you. He knows you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. He formed you in your mother's womb. There's nothing you can hide from God. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I make my bed up in the heavens, you are there. I will never leave you nor forsake you, says Christ. But it's sometimes this, this fantasy or this fake act we think we have to put on. We have to pay, post a picture up on social media of us smiling and everybody looks happy. But two minutes later, we're throwing pots and pans around the house. And people look at that and go, look at their perfect little lives. But that's just an image of two days ago. Those people's lives has moved 40 out, uh, 48 hours on. Things happen. Things happen all the time. And I want to encourage your faith this morning. I want to say to you, you are the salt of the earth. You are called to influence people, amen. Not to judge people, not to make people be anti-church or anti-God. You're there to make people hunger for thirst or thirst for, for righteousness, amen. The Bible said God is sure, being, it's, it's our spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their, their being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. Most people think that they've got time to say, get saved. We had a memorial service yesterday for Patricia who lived, worked in our house for 18 years. And in December of this year, we said goodbye. And for 17 years prior, we saw each other in January, but this year was different. This year, we didn't ever, she never came back in January and she never made it until the end of the month and she went home to be with the Lord. I say this to us not to put fear in you this morning. I say none of us know the days or the hours. We don't know what tomorrow holds. All we have is faith now. And so we must preach Christ like never before so we can awaken hearts and people can be filled with living water so that people can go with us to heaven one day. I can't wait to be with Patricia. I said yesterday to a memorial service, Patricia loved green. She loved light green, blue, uh, uh, dark green, metallic green, fog green. She loved green, the color green. She wanted to paint everything green. And now she's gone to be with the Lord and the Lord is leading her beside green pastures. She's living in a permanent place of green. And I say to you this morning, God wants to give you the desires of your heart on earth and in heaven one day. But it starts with who is Christ to you? Who is Christ to you? I can tell you right now, your belief system, if you've never encountered the living waters of Christ, I can guarantee you your belief system has been formed and forged through how you've been raised. You've been exposed to philosophy. You've been exposed to ideologies. Philosophies are simply man-made ideas of truth. It's not the truth. 
It's not, it's not the way. It's not life. It's a form of truth. Maybe there's, there's forms of it. If you look at the man Karl Marx, who's, whose father was a pastor and he rebelled against the gospel, the truth, and when he was put in prison for his political persuasion, he wrote a book called Das Kapital. That until today, political parties around the world, have nations have formed economic systems around this man's philosophy, and it's not truth. And we come along as Christians and we say, we dispel this, say, who gives you the right? I don't know who gives me the right, but what I do know is there's this living water that keeps coming out of me. Every time I find myself, I want to tell you about Christ because I didn't save myself. I'll give you a living, a spring of living water that when people want to silence you, well, the water comes out here. When they silence you, the water comes out here. Why? Because I didn't put the water in me. If you've never received that water, I encourage you, you can receive that water today. Can you say amen this morning? The woman says, I don't know about that. I don't know the Messiah. I know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll, we'll get the old story. No, Jesus says, I am he. He said, said, Jesus, you don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked like most Christians. Oh, that person is speaking to that person. I can't believe they're hanging out with that person. You are salt. Amen. The Bible says they couldn't believe that he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it like many Christians. The, lift, the lip lifts or the nose pulls or the what. I can't believe when Jesus was speaking to sinners, they said, I can't believe that Jesus is having supper in that sinner's house. I tell you this morning, family, Christ would eat at the lowest sinner's house or the biggest sinner in Cape Town. Christ would eat at that person's house. Why? Because they're not going to know about Christ unless you are salt. Amen. We have to get out of our holy huddles sometimes and engage with the world. If you're called into politics, you have to become salt in politics. Amen. Joseph was salt. Daniel was salt to leaders. You have to become salt. You have to influence people. When the Lord opens up a door on a flight or in a boardroom meeting and you there and somebody says something and the Holy Spirit that's in you and see no one else says to you, say this, say it because you are salt. Amen. And when salt is, is thrown or salt is sprinkled, it makes people desire a better way because they, they don't know what it is, but there's, there's something different on you. Why? Because you salt. Amen. Are you here this morning? Listen to what the Bible said, verse 28. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to a village and told everyone. <laughs> are people running away from you and telling everybody how judgmental you are? Or are people leaving your presence and running to say, listen, I must tell you about what this man told me. He told me about the Savior called Jesus. And she starts to talk about Christ. Listen to what she says, verse 29. Come and meet a man at the well. Not Pastor Aiden or a man of God on the pulpit. We just simply are messengers of Christ. We are just the ones that are servants of Christ. We are the donkeys that He rides. We call to be in different places in the fivefold ministry. Yes, fivefold ministry members sit in the body, but everyone is called to preach Christ. And when they finish with you, are they looking? Are they hungry for Christ? Are they thirsty for Christ? Amen. And I want to say this to you. Listen, come meet a man at the well who told me everything I've never done. He told her everything she did wrong and she didn't feel condemned because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen. We have to give people a way out, not put more weights and burdens on people. We have to show them that there is a better way. His name is Christ. And the Bible said he could be the anointed one, one we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go and see Jesus. When you preach Christ, people stream. When you preach condemnation, people flee. I say this to us. You can preach law. You can hit somebody with a stick from the pulpit and you can tell somebody, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And those that have not feel great and those that have feel condemned. Yet some of the people leave here feeling great. Some people feel, feel condemned. And when Jesus preached, 
everybody was under the same blanket. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, at times when they came and they thought, well, we're going to prove to Jesus we are better than people. He says, thou shalt not murder. I've never murdered. He said, have you hated someone? He said, it's the same as committing murder. You've murdered them in your heart. I've committed adultery. Well, have you looked at someone? He said, yes, with lust in your eyes. He said, well, you're the same as an adulterer. So whatever you tell Christ, whatever angle you want to reason your goodness before God, he says he's going to raise the bar to an imperfect or impossible place where you can save yourself. To the rich young ruler, he thought that, well, if I just do good deeds and I use my money and I start a foundation and I act important on social media, I can be in God's good books. He says, no, if you really want to lift the standard of your assessment of righteousness, then sell everything you have. The man said, I can't do that. He said, exactly. Because your level of righteousness is going to be a limited level. But my level is going to be everything. He didn't give his leg his arm. He gave his life. Sometimes we say, well, what's going to cost me an arm and a leg? We say that. But Christ gave his whole life so that you and I can be free. You see, you can't save yourself. Your good deeds can't save you. Pastor, your tithing can't save you. Your service to the church can't save you. Thank you for serving in the church. Thank you for tithing. Thank you for doing all those things. That's just what we do. But it can't save you. It can't make God love you more or love you less. If you don't tithe or you tithe, he's not going to, you know, you're not under a curse now. Yes, there's no seed in the ground. I mean, try and fall pregnant on prayer and hope. You'll see you can't. You have to sow seed. So if you don't understand seed time and harvest, you're going to live a barren life. But we think God's cursing us. No. The Bible says if you choose to hold your money, it says keep your money. He told the rich young ruler, then keep it all. I don't want your money. I haven't come because of your money. I'm not going to tell you that I need your money because he says money's the least. When the disciples started worrying about their sars bull, he said, why are you worrying about money? Go to the, the harbor. There's a coin in the fish's mouth. I'll provide. My God shall supply all your needs. You don't have to start justifying your, your lack of saltiness because God's blessing your business and I can't come to church pastor because I have to manage my blessing for God. No, you're losing your salt. God blesses you for purpose. If you make a million, bring your tithe of the million. Because when you gave your tithe of 100 rand, what's the difference? You asked God in that midnight hour, you cried out and God heard your prayers. And God blessed your life. Now that you are there, you've got more choices and more options. You've got more influence. You've got more resource. Are we losing our salt? And Jesus said when salt loses its taste, it's, it's purposeless. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says they're going to throw it on the ground. They're going to walk all over it. He says they're going to walk on your Christian testimony. They're going to walk all over your testimony because your, your yes is not your yes and your no is not your no. Now you're becoming self-righteous. Now you've got to justify your actions because you're losing your salt. And the only way we regain our saltiness, Jesus says, is we give ourselves away in the service of someone else. Last thing he goes on to say, well, preservation is the third thing. The last thing is flavor. Salt brings out the flavor. If we had a piece of meat in South Africa, we have meat. We don't have barbecues with patties and sausages. We have meat, bourgeois and steak. Amen. And we bribe with wood. Not gas. Amen. If you bribe with gas, come to me. I'll pray for you. We'll deliver you. Because we don't bribe with gas. Amen. We bribe with wood. The grid, meat. But ever had a piece of meat with no salt on it? We didn't put the salt on the meat because the salt is nice. We put the salt on the meat to tell the meat that there's a better flavor in you. We are called to be a flavor to people. Tell somebody, hey. You're living this kind of life. Let me tell you, there's a greater potential in you. God has created you differently. You must tell somebody of their authentic potential. 
That's what a Christian should do. A person should be, feel more inspired when they leave your presence. They should feel more hopeful. They should have vision restored. Listen to what the Bible said in Luke 4, 18, 19, a Christian's purposeful scripture. If you want to know what your Christian purpose is, here it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me in closing this morning. He has appointed me what? To preach good news to the poor. You must tell a poor person, hey, you no longer have to live under those dire circumstances. You should tell a poor person, you might be here right now, but let me tell you, when you encounter Christ and you get revelation in your heart, Christ is going to take you to this place. Because notice the Bible said, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. My Father's house has many mansions. So Patricia, who worked for us, she's now living in her mansion. She was a faithful servant of Christ. The Bible says God rewards you on earth and He rewards you in heaven. Without faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please Him. But he who comes to God must believe that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Don't think God's not out to reward you. He rewarded His disciples with a whole net full of fish. They grind, toiled all night, caught nothing. Many of you are toiling, trying in your own effort. Just become salt and watch. When you start to become salt for Christ, you'll fill that net while you sleep at night. He'll give you contracts you haven't signed. He'll do things. He'll put coins in fish's mouth. Not because, because that's what He wants to do every day, but when you are busy being salt for Him and you sacrifice some of your time for Him where you could have given your time to your business or time to your, your own yourself and you give it to Christ and you become salt, He says, I will supply all your need according to my riches, not according to man's or governmental provision. Amen. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are people feeling better when, they, when you left their presence? And to announce that captives shall be released and that the blind shall see and that the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors? Are you telling women that are caught up in abusive relationships that there can be a better future for them? Are you helping people? And that same husband that abuses that wife, are you trying to be sold to him? Because a man without purpose, when a man's hands aren't purposeful, they're used for, for sin. And sadly, sometimes they use their hands on innocent women. And when that man finds purpose in Christ, like Saul, whose hands were used to murder Christians, and God found it in himself to take a sinner, a murderer like him. God used Moses, who was a murderer, to write the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. That's grace. Sometimes we think, I'm not worthy. You write, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy to preach in this microphone this morning, but he's worthy. And it, Paul says, I, I can't understand. It go, I can't explain to you what it, how my mind can't fathom this. And I say to you this morning, don't run from him, but run to him this morning. I say to you this morning, you sit in this place, rest in him this morning. I say to you this morning that God loves you unconditionally. I say to you this morning, there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. I don't care how low you are this morning. I don't care how high you are this morning. I don't care how far you are this morning. I don't care how close you are this morning. Christ is our message. And God loves you. And God says to you, there is a great future for you. God says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says to you, be salt. You are the salt of the earth. Come on, jump to your feet this morning over this place. And I want you this morning to give Jesus one more shout of praise. Come on, lift up your voices this morning and allow the praises of Christ to come from your heart and your hands. Come on. Christ is our message. Slap your neighbor a high five. Say, you are free. And tell your neighbor next to you, I'm still waiting to sell my possessions and give you the stuff. What do you want? I'm willing to sell my stuff. The Bible says they sold all their possessions and gave to those who had need. What must you sell? Sell your stuff and give it to someone in the church. Pastor, how can you say that? The Bible says that. 
Das ist mein Gut. All right. My brother-in-law went to be with the Lord many years ago, 20 years ago, actually, in fact, this year. And I'll never forget, they needed some information from him. And I was asked to go into his cupboard and look in his cupboard. And I realized again, people will scratch in your stuff. The things you keep in your safe right now and you keep hidden away in a vault and that only you know about, they're going to come scratch for that stuff. Because there's no control once you leave this earth. When this earthly temple is finished and your spirit goes to be with God and you put on your heavenly body, the things you've built up on this earth that Moth and Russ will eat, people will scratch it, they'll sell it, they'll divide it, they'll do whatever. And yet we think those are the important things. Christ is the most important thing is your relationship with me. Because this is a temporary journey. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.